Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, they'll put it on the screen for you. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. This is the history of the church. When the church was about ready to begin, Acts 1, 8 says, But ye shall receive power. Everybody say power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That's it. That means after you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power. Amen. Fuerte, right? Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. And so my question today is, have you got the power? Do you have the power? Have you got the power? So I want you to turn to your neighbor before you're seated, look at him with just kind of a curious look and say, got power? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your anointing and your power and your blessing today. And I pray that in the next few short minutes that you would speak, Lord God, to those that are here today. Grant them faith to believe that your purpose is about to be done in their life in a very real way. And we pray this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. And you may be seated. A couple nights ago, I was driving on my least favorite road in L.A., which is the 101. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've driven all over this city, but on the 101, I've been rear-ended one time. Somebody's, I don't know what it was, fell out of their truck, part of their engine or whatever, and it busted one of my tires. The 101, every time I drive on it, I'm paranoid that something's going to happen. And as we were merging onto the 101, there was a massive truck, one of those big semi-trucks that had two trailers behind it. You know what I'm talking about. And I was driving in my hipster minivan, And uh, this truck comes right up behind me on my tail. Apparently, it wasn't going fast enough for him. Absolutely right on my tail. I began to go back and forth. And uh, it was very unsafe. I was afraid for our safety. I was concerned. And then after a little bit, I started getting upset that somebody would be so unaware that they're driving a massive truck for a major company and they're putting people's lives at risk. Uh, And I said, man... To myself, I said, man, I wish evermore that I had one of those blue lights that I could pull out from under my seat and put it up on the top of my minivan, <laughs> amen, and uh, uh, come back around this truck with my lights flashing, shouting, citizens arrayist, citizens arrayist. Do I have any Andy Griffith fans in the house? <laughs> citizens arrayist, citizens arrayist. Well... I had to just let it go. We took his license down, but I had to let it go. You know why? Because despite the fact that I knew that what he was doing was wrong, that it was risky, dangerous, and he deserved to be censured, I didn't have the power to do it. I was just another citizen. I couldn't do anything about it. Regardless of how much I knew, regardless of my good intentions, I couldn't do anything without 
the power. Power. Power is significant and important. Power and authority. Now, I've, I've had the opportunity to use a chainsaw before. Uh, one time I had to use a chainsaw all day long, and that was no fun. But we got a lot of work done. Remember when the windstorm blew all the trees over on the old church in Rosemead Boulevard? Some of you were around then, uh, the big windstorm. We worked with a chainsaw all day. My question is, have you ever tried to cut down a tree with a chainsaw that had no gas in it? I mean, a chainsaw is powerful, man. It's like right into the wood, throwing chips everywhere, cutting it up. But if you try to do it without any power, you'd be better off trying to cut down a tree with a steak knife. Because things that were designed to operate with power are pretty useless without the power. Amen. If you've ever tried to shave your face, ladies, with... No, just kidding. (laughs) If you've ever tried to shave your face with an electrical razor, I've got an electrical razor, and uh, my electrical razor is a, a cordless razor. So you plug it in, you charge it up, then you take the plug off and you can use it. I I remember my dad had one of those razors and uh, sometimes he would charge it up and then when he would start to shave his face, he would unplug it and he would still, he would be shaving and the cord would be hanging, but it's not plugged into anything. And of course we knew that it was his cordless razor, but we had a guest that had come, this was years and years ago, who had come that had grown up in the former Soviet Union. And in the former Soviet Union, they were years and years behind us in technology and so forth. And I remember him just staring at that as my dad was shaving, seriously, my dad was shaving his face and the cord was hanging down and not plugged into anything. He was like, how does that work? Well, I've, I've used my razor a little bit too much and uh, the, uh, uh, the power goes down and it starts to and it's trying to shave these whiskers on this grizzly face and it'll all of a sudden stop and it's stuck to my face. And if you try to shave your face with a razor that doesn't have a charge, you'd be better off shaving your face with a sharp rock. Because things that are designed to run with power don't work very good and are more or less useless when they don't have the power that they need. And there's a story in the Bible about a man who God anointed with supernatural strength, supernatural power. I'm sure he was probably strong. He probably was a little bit buff, maybe he had a little bit of an Arnold Schwarzenegger look. But this man in Scripture, anybody know who I'm talking about? They got some Sunday school workers in the, in the house that know who I'm talking about. Samson, he had this supernatural strength from God to deliver Israel. He was a judge to turn Israel back to God and to throw off the power of the Philistines that were operating in authority. And so when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, he would have supernatural power and strength. Because of that, he became a hero and a champion. One time, he lifted up the entire gates of the city, thousands of pounds of weight, and carried them off on his shoulders. One time, he was able to catch foxes all over and tie their tails together and set them on fire so they ran through and burnt down the fields of the Philistines. Another time he was being opposed, one man being opposed by 1,000 Philistines. No doubt they had their tools of war, their weapons of war, swords, whatever, and Samson didn't have anything, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And when he got the power he found a 
carcass, a carcass, a rotting carcass of a dead donkey. And he, he said, I, I don't have a weapon, but here's some bones. And he grabbed the bone of the donkey's jaw and he picked it up and he said, unguard. <laughs> and before the day was over, Samson was standing all covered in blood, but uninjured. And there were 1,000 Philistines that were dead. Everybody say, that's power. That's God's power operating through a man in the Old Testament context. But when you understand the story that Samson made some choices and those choices caused this one who was designed to operate with power to lose the power. And when he lost the power, he was no longer a hero or a champion, but he became an object of ridicule as he pushed a grinder to grind out mill. Because those things which are designed to operate with power aren't very profitable or good when they run out of power. Now, I love the story of Moses. How many like the story of Moses? Anybody seen the Ten Commandments? That was, that was a great movie. It was old school. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Probably not so cool now that you see all the special effects and stuff. But it was cool back in the day, right? And uh, anybody remember... Man, I remember this back when I was 13, going to Universal Studios back in the 1980s. Remember? Does anybody, anybody go there back in the 80s and see the river part? And, and you go through uh, the, the, the river there. This is uh, um, some of the special effects that they used during the making of the Ten Commandments. Well, the thing I love about the story of Moses is when God called him. God called him from a burning bush. God spoke to him from a bush that was on fire. The fire was burning, but the bush wasn't disappearing. So Moses checked it out, and all of a sudden a voice comes out of the bush and says, Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of the covenant that I made with Abraham. Well, who are you? I am that I am. It means I'm the self-existing one. Nobody made me or created me. I pre-exist everything. So right there that day, Moses' brain is being expanded. What do we call that? We call it revelation. Moses was gaining revelation about God and the fact that God was speaking to him. Once he got a revelation... Then God continued to speak from the bush. Moses now is barefooted, standing on holy ground. And God says, I got a job for you. My people are in bondage, and they've been crying out to me for a while now. Pharaoh has them in slavery, and I'm ready to set them free. So I want you to go down and speak to the most powerful man in all the world and tell them that God said to let my people go, your million people that you keep in slavery, you got to release them. So he got a mission from God. So now Moses, in the matter of just a few minutes, has both gotten a revelation and a mission, but he's also 
got a question. And the question is, now I know who you are, God. Thank you very much. I understand what you want me to do, my mission. But my question is, why is Pharaoh going to listen to me? What proof do I have that I'm speaking on behalf of Jehovah? And God speaks out of the bush and says, what you got in your hand? Moses like, my stick is my walking stick. I'm an old dude now. It's my walking stick. He said, all right, throw it on the ground. And it becomes a snake. And he's like, wowzers. That's what he said. Look at it. It's New Living Translation. Wowzers. And Moses is like, wow. He said, now pick it up. Pick it up by the tail. And I imagine Moses looked at the bush and said, you sure? Yeah, pick it up. So he goes and he grabs the snake by the tail and immediately becomes a rod again. It's back to his stick. And he's like, that's cool. And then God says, okay, now I want you to put your hand inside your coat. So he's like, Okay, hope it doesn't become a snake. Pull it out now. And there was skin disease all over his hand. Wow, that's amazing. Now put it back in your coat. Puts it back in his coat, pulls it out, and it's perfect again. No disease on his hands at all. And he says, go in this thy might. Go and do what I told you to do. Now, you got the power, amen. And when Pharaoh says, who is this God that I should obey him? Throw down the stick, amen. Show him my authority. And so this man, Moses, who probably by many accounts had no business walking in to the house of the most powerful man in the world and commanding a group of a million people out of Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. But he was able to do it because he had a revelation, he had a mission, and now he had the power. Now look at the Bible, look at the New Testament. Jesus Christ came to this earth. We understand that it was Jehovah God revealing himself, the plan, the thought, the idea of God manifest in the flesh and Jesus walking among men. His purpose was going to happen through his disciples. Everybody say, through his disciples. He's going to work through these guys to fulfill his mission. And so the first thing that Jesus does is the first thing that God did with Moses is to grant these guys revelation. You got to know the right thing first. You got to know you found the real thing first. And so Jesus began to progressively reveal himself to his followers. Now, he didn't come right out one day as he's walking by the seashore and see some fishermen and say, hey, guys, I'm the creator of the world. Just happen to be walking around in a physical body today. I got a plan. I think you can be a part of it. Come follow me. I'm God. He didn't say that. They didn't know who he was at first. 
All they knew is he was a compelling figure. And there was something about his confidence and his aura that they said, this guy's worth following. They didn't have very much revelation. They started following him. They hadn't been with him very long, and they watch him turn water into wine. And they're like, ding, 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 ding. We got the right one. There's the power. We understand this man is powerful. And they were intrigued and fascinated by his teachings that brought multitudes together. And then they were with him a little bit longer, and he healed a crippled person. And they're like, shazam, this is awesome. He has power. See, Jesus didn't show him everything at once. He revealed himself progressively to these that were following him. And they're like, this teacher is more than a teacher. And then they're with him one day and there's a storm tossing the boat around. The wind and the waves and the rain is pelting. And Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat. And they're like, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus is like, relax. And he gets up and says, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, the wind is like, the waves are like, and everything is calm. And the men are like, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. And the first time they saw him open blinded eyes, they're like, this is some kind of a guy. What kind of a man is this? And then they're sitting around the fire. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're a miracle worker. Some say you're, you're, you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Then he says, here's my real question. Who do you think that I am? And Peter felt the anointing of the spirit and said, thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. You're the one my mom and dad were waiting for and my grandma and grandpa were waiting for. You are the anointed one. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. Nobody told you this. God's the one that revealed this to you. And this is the revelation of the church. Upon this understanding, I'm going to build my church. Never forget this. The church is built on revelation. Revelation and understanding of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Oh, he's more than just a man. He's more than a prophet and he's more than a teacher. He was the Messiah. And their eyes are getting wider and wider as revelation hits them. Amen? That's the way it is in your walk with God. Revelation causes you to understand I'm into something real. I'm into something good. I'm into something powerful and life-changing. Amen? Amen. And then, and then uh, right before Jesus was about to be crucified, these same disciples whose understanding and illumination is being expanded are sitting together. And one of them, Jesus is speaking of, I got to go to my father. And uh, Philip says, hey, just a quick question. Why don't you show us the Father? We hear you talking about the Father a lot. Can you show us the Father? And that'll make us feel better. Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you quite a while now and you still don't understand who I am. Philip, when you have seen me, you have already seen the Father. So why, 
Why would you be asking me to show you the Father? Don't you understand that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? And the disciples are like, I got it. I got it. It is the creator. It is the one that formed things through the power of his word. It is Yahweh. It is Jehovah. It is the I am that was in the bush. Is Jesus Christ. And then when Jesus was crucified, the disciples understood he was a spotless lamb. His blood was redeeming humanity. Thomas said, I got to see for myself that he's rose from the dead, risen from the dead. Jesus showed up, said, try my fingers. Try try my hand. Put your finger there. You can see the hole where the the, the spikes went into my hands. And there is the hole where the spear went into my side. And Thomas fell to his knees and said, my Lord and my God. The disciples. Everybody say the disciples had revelation. And then, right before Jesus ascended, he gave his disciples the mission. The mission. What was the mission? The mission is the great commission. You see the great commission in the book of Mark. You see the great commission in the book of Luke. You see the great commission in the book of Matthew. You see the great commission in the book of Acts. All four of these books record different perspectives of Jesus' final words. But when you put them all together, you get a very clear understanding of what Jesus meant for his disciples to do. He said, now you know who I am. Here's the mission. Remember the same thing he did with with Moses. This is who I am. This is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to begin at Jerusalem and then go into all the world and preach the good news. And here's what I want you to preach. I want you to preach that repentance will change your life, that your sins will be remitted through his name. I want you to baptize because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And, amen, I want you to preach and teach to everybody, amen, that the kingdom of heaven is come and that they need to be baptized, and they shall receive power, and these signs shall follow you when you believe. In my name, you'll cast out spirits. You'll lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover, and you will speak with new tongues. So they're like, okay, baptize them, teach repentance, remission of sins, make sure that they're baptized. That's that's very clear. All right, preach the kingdom of God and there's going to be power associated with new tongues, laying hands on sick and they'll recover just like Jesus did. Okay, we got it. And Jesus said, oh, by the way, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. In other words, disciples, you've got revelation and you've got a mission, but you're not going to be able to do it without the power. Go to Jerusalem and wait 
for the power. What is the power? That's the promise of the, what's the promise of the Father? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. What is the promise of the Father? In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Praise God. And so when you read the book of Acts, you discover that the apostles fulfilled the exact mission of Jesus Christ. I'm getting a point home, aren't I here? The mission of Jesus Christ is the gospel. But it started in the upper room while they're waiting for the promise. They're waiting, praying, in one accord, in a second-story building, 50 days after Jesus was crucified. On that morning called the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell on everybody that was gathered there. What happened? There was a sound that sounded like wind. And all of a sudden, flames of fire sat on each of their heads. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the words to speak. They received the power. Listen to me. No Holy Ghost, no power. And guess what happened that day? The church was born. The church was born. What is a church? Well, it's a building. It's a big stone building with stained glass windows. That's not a church. That's what we call a church. But the word church means a group of called out believers separated to God. The Bible says that Jesus died so that he might present unto himself a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. A group of people that have been sanctified to become the bride of Jesus Christ. That's the church. Church is not a building. The church is a group of people who the Spirit is transforming and sanctifying and changing. So listen to this right now. You can't have a church without the Holy Ghost. You have a building. You have a group that gathers together and goes through the motions. The Bible says in the last days there would be those that would have a form of godliness but deny what? The power. They may have some revelation. They may understand the mission, but they don't have the power. And the only one, it says, from such turn away. The only church that's a church is a church with the power. Because only through, listen to me, only through the Holy Ghost can you be sanctified. Now, I I love to preach, but one thing's for sure, I know that I can't preach good enough to change somebody's life. I can't preach good enough to clean you up and transform your life. That's the problem with some of these egomaniacs that are called preachers that have no power in their congregation. They think through their wisdom and understanding that they can help people change their lives. I'm here to tell you today, I don't have what it takes. I don't have the wherewithal and I don't have the skills, but don't nobody have the skills to change somebody's life. The only thing that can make a church is the Holy Ghost. The only thing that can make a congregation of called out people is the sanctifying power of the Spirit. 
I got that Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible says. Praise God. So let me tell you what the devil wants to do in our day to day is to create churches with no power. Churches that teach and preach Bible, but no power. Churches that teach and preach the mission, but no power. Because if Satan could take the power out of the church, the church cannot do what God intended for us to do. The only way we can fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ is we got to wait for and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anybody feel me today? Anybody understand what I'm saying? We can't do this thing without the Holy Ghost. No preacher can preach good enough to change my life but the Holy Ghost can change my life. Amen. No teaching's powerful enough to give me power over my fleshly desires, but the Holy Ghost can make me a new creature. It can take desires that used to be there and change me. Come on, everybody that's here today that's changed, hadn't been changed because of who the pastor is or who the evangelist was that preached. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. We got a mission. We got revelation. And we got power. Somebody praise him right now. Somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the last thing I want to talk about is you. You and I. You and I. Because of the word of God, because of the Bible, we have revelation. We understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lord of creation. Jesus is the redeemer of our souls. And Jesus is our only hope for living. It's the only purpose for the existence of the world in the first place. By him and for him were all things created. If there's no Jesus, then there's no world. It's all about him. We have revelation of who Jesus is. And we have a sense of mission. God put that in us. There's something in every person that wants to make a difference. You can take the worst person of all and you can peel aside the selfishness, the addictions, the habits, the brokenness and get down to the root and there's something inside of every person that says, I want to help somebody. I want to make a difference in the world. It's a sense of mission that God put in every single person and it's there. So you've got revelation and you've got mission. And if you were to look me in the face and I were to ask you this question, do you believe God has something he wants you to do? Something that you can do? Well, immediately your flesh is going to cry out, but I've made this mistake and I've had these shortcomings and I've had these failures in my life and I've got these issues and struggles. You know, that's the devil just trying to keep you from understanding the mission of Jesus Christ. Jesus' mission is for you to be a part of changing the world through the gospel. And guess what? There are uh, organizations and groups that do great things and I'm thankful for them. And we use them. We use these organizations that help people uh, overcome mental cycles of addiction. We use organizations that help people that are dealing with wounds and the psychology of hurt. We thank God for that. But at the end of the day, we understand that only the Holy Ghost can transform a person and turn a gangbanger into a gospel preacher. Ain't no program going to do that. 
turn a drug peddler into the peddler of the promises of God. Change somebody from a nobody going nowhere to a somebody with a purpose and a plan in their life. But today, my thing to you is you may understand who Jesus is and have a sense there's something real here. When you walk into a place where the power of God's moving, you're like, whoa, whoa this ain't my regular church. I've been visiting every, every, something different about this place. I'm either going to get saved or run over one of the two. I better do something. And then a lot of people are like, I'm getting up out of here. And they hightail it out the doors. We're like, bye-bye. We love you. We'd love to see you again. They're like, ha, <laughs> when you walk into the power of the presence of God, you're like, something's different here. Just like when Moses saw the burning bush, he said, you don't see this every day. Amen. Let me check this thing out. That's the draw of the spirit. That's the power of God. It's not just a bunch of crazy people crazy about Jesus. It's the Holy Ghost moving. Holy Ghost moving on people and moving through people. You're like, this is real. I got to find out what's going on. It's a dividing line. Some people run and hide. Other people are like, I got to check this thing out here now. What's going on here now, here now? And you have a sense that God wants to use you. But I want to tell you today that the difference maker is the power. And when, when Peter explained to the people that came after the outpouring of the Spirit, and they said, we want some of this, he said, okay, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That same promise that Jesus talked about, that same promise that just fell on these, that same promise that was spoken of in the Old Testament, you can have it because the promise is for you and your children, and those that are far off. That means those people don't know anything about Jehovah, don't know anything about God, living their own life, doing their own thing. The promise is for them too. It's the power. And you were designed to be hooked up with power. And when you're not hooked up with power, you're going to struggle with everything. You're going to say, well, let me try to change my life. Let me try to quit this and quit that. How many times have you tried already? I'm going to try to straighten things up, become a better parent. I'm going to try to straighten up, become a better husband, better wife. I'm going to try. How many times have you tried? See, we're egomaniacs. We human beings, we think we can fix everything. Oh, I can fix it. I can fix it. Oh, 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 I can fix it. Kind of like men that won't ask for directions. They end up in 10 buck two. Oh, I can fix it, honey. Ask directions, please. Right? Oh, no, no, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. You think you can straighten it up? You're going to make a bigger mess than you started with. Because you're like a razor that's not plugged in trying to shave somebody's face. You're like a chainsaw with no gas trying to cut down a tree. You don't have the power. And you were designed to have the power. But when you get the power, you can do everything you were designed to do. Without the power, you're going to be helpless, hopeless, weak, shoved around by your flesh, pushed around by the enemy. But when you get the power, you will be able supernaturally to do what God has commissioned you to do and your life can have purpose and meaning. And why are you so pumped up, pastor? Because I'm looking at people that used to be powerless. I'm looking at people whose life had no meaning. 
I'm looking at people that were struggling with addictions whose lives were going nowhere, but then Jesus showed up and said, I got a plan for you. They heard the word of God, they believed the word of God, and they received the power. And here's the deal. We're not talking about something that just could have happened 2,000 years ago. We're talking about something that happens today. Right here. Right now. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, what do you have to do to receive the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing you have to do is you've got to believe. Because Jesus said, he that believeth on me. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Spirit. He that believed on him would receive. Everybody say this. If you believe, you shall receive. That's what the Bible teaches. If you believe, you shall receive. You got to believe. That's why I'm preaching today. There's a lot of people who haven't even heard about the Holy Ghost. Well, they've heard Holy Ghost and they think it's like some cosmic Casper or some spook there. And they're like, what's the Holy Ghost? I don't know. It sounds spooky to me. Ooh, Holy Ghost. Well, somebody's preaching straight to you today. It's the power that God planned to give you so that you could fulfill the mission that Jesus Christ gave. It's the power of God. And at one point in, in Acts chapter 19... There were uh, disciples of John the Baptist that didn't know the message of Jesus. And Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we haven't heard about it. So you can't receive it till you've heard about it. So we got the first thing covered today. Now you've heard about it, right? You can receive the Holy Ghost and, your, and through the baptism of the Spirit, when I say the baptism of the Spirit, that's receiving the Holy Ghost. That's the same thing. Or getting the Holy Ghost or receiving the Spirit. It's all the same different ways of referring to the same thing. You can have the Holy Ghost. Is there a minimal age requirement? How old do I have to be? Or am I too old? Nope, no, no age requirements. You have to be able to believe. That's it. If you believe, you shall receive. Okay? Well, the Bible says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I saw in Acts chapter 10 that there were some believers that received the Holy Ghost when they believed, even before they were baptized in water. But then they went ahead and got baptized after they were filled with the Spirit. So the point is, is you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost even before you're water baptized in Jesus' name. You guys still with me? You can receive it. So if I'm a believer, okay, I'm a believer. Now what do I do? Well, you gotta repent. What does repent mean? That means to give up control of your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. That's what we're talking about. People are like, I gave my life to the Lord. Well, what does that mean? That means I decided I'm not in control anymore. I'm putting Jesus in control of my life. And guess what? In order for that to happen, the old person that used to control the life has to die. Because if I'm going to still try to control things, it's not going to work. I got to die. And so this is repentance, putting the old man to death so that Jesus Christ can live. How do you do that? You say, Lord. I'm sorry. I've been doing my own thing and I made a mess of things. See, the problem is a lot of people won't repent because they compare themselves with other people. And they say, I don't need to repent. I'm not as bad as that guy. He beats on his wife. Oh, so that's the minimum requirement. You've got to not beat on your wife and then you're okay. Right? 
We compare ourselves among ourselves, but the reality is all of us are sinners. Will you guys admit to that? All of us. All of us. We need to repent. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I want you to be Lord of my life. And when you repent of your sins, then the Bible promises that he would, he would give you the Holy Ghost. Everybody that believes and repents will receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So how will I know that I've received the Holy Spirit? Well, you have the same evidence that they received in the Bible and the same evidence that people in this house had when they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What is that? Well, when you look at when everybody, somebody was filled with the Holy Ghost, there was one thing that was consistent. There wasn't always flames of fire on their head and there wasn't always the sound of the wind, but each time they received the Holy Ghost, they began to speak in another tongue, in another language as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Did they know what they were speaking? Nope. Because then it wouldn't be an unknown tongue. God gave them words to speak and they began to speak it. Because your tongue is the hardest member of your body to control. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Don't look at your wife. Come on now. Can you say amen, somebody? For all of us, the tongue is the hardest thing to control. So when you release the tongue, when the tongue is under God's control, if he's got the hardest thing to control, that means he's got everything else. And when you begin to let God speak through you in a heavenly language, well, what am I going to speak? Am I going to speak German, Portuguese, angel language? I don't know. Are you going to be able to tell me what I'm speaking? Nope. But you're going to speak in something that you don't understand as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Praise God. That's going to be the sign or the first evidence that you are sealed with ownership. That means you belong to God now. Amen? That his, you've been empowered to live above sin. He's going to start to give you victory. He's going to change the person that you are. He's going to put a desire. I can't preach you there, but the Holy Ghost can take you there. All right? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. See, it's awesome. Now, I was uh, talking to Brother Sergio, and uh, we were talking about something that happened when I was a little child. I grew up in the church. And so I've seen people as young as four years old receive the baptism of the Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the words to speak. It's so cute, isn't it? It's precious. It gets a hold of your heart. See these children with tears reaching for God. They don't understand a whole lot, but they know God's real and they believe. That's all you need to do, believe. But I don't have a degree from a seminary. You don't have to have a degree from a seminary to get the Holy Ghost. Sometimes that makes it harder. Because you just got to believe. Little babies get the Holy Ghost. Little, little four-year-old kids receiving the Holy Ghost. Speaking. Speaking that heavenly babble. That heavenly uh, uh, spirit, spirit language. And then I've seen somebody as old as, I, I think Brother Elmer was like 92 when he received the Holy Ghost. Began to speak in time. 92-year-old guy. And there, I'm sure there's older ones that have gotten it, but I hadn't seen them. And I don't know anybody over 92 so you're all in. We don't have anybody in here under four. They're probably in the nursery. We don't have anybody over 92. So that means all of you are qualified, right? And here's the cool thing. When I was a boy, I was about seven or eight years of age, and there was a, a young lady that was in our church who was a little bit older than me. 
Her name was Diane. And Diane was profoundly deaf. She was born that way. I had never heard her speak because the only thing that I ever heard is when she would mouth mom and try to put voice behind it. Um, um. It's the only thing I'd ever heard from her. And I'll never forget the night. She was in one of the little classrooms there and they had taken her in there. She was probably about 14 or 15. And they were praying with Diane. And she began to voice and speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave her the utterance. Never forget when I was about 19, 18, 19 years of age, there was a young man and a young lady that came to our church. They were missionary kids. In fact, the young man is a dear friend of mine. He is the main missionary in the nation of Madagascar right now. And we had the opportunity to go over there and preach. Well, he and his sister came back from the mission field. They were raised in Madagascar. When they came back to the United States, it was very rough, reintegrating with a culture they were unfamiliar with. And I remember that uh, Jerry had a tough time. and She was going through a tough time. And all of a sudden, we were praying for kids to receive the Holy Ghost. And there was a young lady that came from the high school, Southside High School. And uh, she didn't know anything about church, nothing about Pentecost, none of that. And uh, she came to church. And the message was preached. And the Spirit of God moved. And she came up to the front. I want to receive the Holy Ghost. She was prayed for. She was filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And Jerry was there praying with her. And out of her mouth began to come the language of Malagasy. It says, God's with you. It's going to be okay. You're going to make it through this time. In the language of Malagasy. Now that doesn't, we don't get that kind of a confirmation every day. But there was a missionary recently that had a group of people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in a room. I think this was with uh, my wife's uncle Carl. And there was a lady that was speaking in tongues and they got him and they brought Carl back there and she didn't know any English but out of her mouth was saying, there's a river of living water flowing out of my belly. There is a river of living water flowing out of my belly in the language of English. I want to tell you that it is real and it is for you and it's not just a magic trick. It's not just speaking in language. It's just the sign that you got the power. You've got the power. You've got what it takes to see your life transformed. Can we stand to our feet right now and can we give praise to the Lord? Can you help me praise Jesus right now? I feel his presence here. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost here right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here's what we're going to do today. People are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Does that sound good? That means there are going to be people that receive the Holy Spirit and never had it before. And there also are going to be people filled with the Spirit that are running on empty. Because the power that God put in you needs to stay stirred up and filled up. 
You ever, my wife and I sometimes we're together and we get in the car and we both reach for the iPhone charger. You may know what I'm talking about. And then we ask the question. This is the question that determines who gets the charger. How much you got? 19%. Shazam, I'm 11%. I got it. Whoever got the lowest power, power gets the charge. Well, you know what it's like to be out somewhere and your phone goes dead. Like now they can't get in touch with me. Now they can't text. Welcome to 1980. That's the way it was when I went to the mall. I didn't, I, we had to decide what we were going to do beforehand, right? In our world today, we're so dependent on it, we got to have the power. And if not, we're searching all over. Where's the Starbucks? I got to plug in. Where's the place? Where's the, where's the, where's the plug? I got to plug in. I got to have the power. Got to have the power. Got to have the power. Some of you running on empty spiritually. Some of you aren't functioning the way you're supposed to because you need to be filled again with the Holy Ghost. Why would you believe that what started in the spirit that you could finish it in the flesh now? You need the Holy Ghost. You need the power. And you shall receive power. So I'm going to invite in just a moment anybody forward that wants to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit either for the first time or you want to get recharged. You want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let that fill you up. Amen. And so in just a minute, we're going to invite you to step out of where you are. And what, when you're stepping out, you're saying, what you're saying when you step out is, I got a little revelation. I understand who Jesus is. And I know that I got a purpose, but I need some power. I need some power. Is there anybody here that needs power? I invite you to come join me right now. Come on, come on. Because it's going to happen. You've got to take that step of faith and say, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. That's it. Come on. Uh, somebody's ready to step out and then they're scared because nobody else has yet. Take that step of faith because the power of the Holy Ghost is going to fall in this place. I know it. Amen. That's it. Come on up. Come on up the front. There's some people that want to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time and some people that want to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. Just kind of line up across the front here. Let's do this because the power is getting ready to fall in this place because we're going to do what the Bible said. Come on up. Come on up. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. This is going to be, I'm so excited, guys. This is going to be awesome. Everybody seems like they're nervous. Y'all nervous? Don't be nervous. Amen. You got to relax, okay? Say, I'm relaxed. See, because if you're tense, that's fear. We're going to flow in faith right now, not fear. We're going to flow in faith. What is faith? Faith is believing. Believing that God's going to do what he promised he would do. Now, the, the Bible says, the Lord said, the promises to you and your children, all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so that means if you're here today and you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive it today. It's a promise from God, not a promise from me, a promise from God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do what they said to do in the Bible. We're going to repent. And once we repent, the Spirit of God is going to come into this place. So what you will do is you'll, uh, you're first of all going to ask the Lord to forgive you and wash you and, and say, God, I want, I want to give my life to you. I want your power on the inside. I don't want to be in control anymore. I want this new life. I 
want this new life and the power of your spirit. Jesus, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. As you're repenting, you're going to start to feel God. You know why? Because when you call on the name of the Lord, he listens. You guys still with me? When you call out to God, he listens and he responds. So from your heart, you begin to tell God, I'm sorry. I want to be right. I want to be a new creature. I want to be clean. Wash me. As we start to pray that, as you start to use your own words and just tell the Lord you're sorry and you want his spirit and you want to follow him, you use your words and you're going to all all of a sudden begin to feel his presence because he always responds when we call upon him. And the first thing he's going to do is forgive you of your sins. That's good news, isn't it? You don't have to walk out of here feeling guilty today because of something you did. Because the only one that really matters, which is God, is going to forgive you if you ask him. That's what the Bible... Is that awesome? You're carrying around this heavy load for no reason. Because if you ask him from your heart, he's going to forgive you. And so as you're asking God to forgive you, we're going to do that for a minute. And then we're going to begin to give praise to God. Now, you may say, well, what's praise? That's just simply telling him thank you for all you've done telling him he's great and you can tell him that you love him too right some people are like i don't i don't use that the the l word the love word unless it's real serious well it's real serious it was serious enough to take him to the cross that's how much he loves you serious business so you just begin to tell him Once you ask him to forgive you and repent, just begin to tell him how much you love him. Begin to say, God, you're great. I think you're awesome. There's a word that you can use, okay? Here's a Bible word that you've heard before. The word is hallelujah. Just try it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does that mean? That just means, Lord, I surrender to you and I put you at the top. That's basically what hallelujah means. You can say the, 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 it in your own language, in your own words, however you want to say it. As you begin to praise and worship the Lord, as you begin to lift him up, just kind of forget about those people that are around you. Don't stress about who's around you or what people are saying or if their breath is stinky or any of that. Just begin to tell Jesus how much you love him and praise him. And as you're praising the Lord, there may be somebody that comes by and lays hands on you. They're laying hands on your head. Well, the Bible says that, uh, uh, that when Peter and John laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. They received the Spirit. So we may say, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And as you begin to feel the presence of God, you'll begin to feel the Spirit come into you, and you'll begin to then feel it flow out of you. A river of living water. Well, it's not going to feel like water coming out of you. It's going to be the Spirit flowing through you. And as it begins to flow, you're going to... Some, some people feel like that their tongue, they kind of can't speak the words that they were speaking anymore and they feel something happening. That's the Holy Ghost. So the Bible says with stammering lips and another tongue, will, will he speak to his people or through his people? And so this is the sign that something's happening. But you need to go ahead and let it go. And the Bible says the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. That means the words come from him. And here's the problem. When we... Anybody ever like saying, is God talking to me or is that just me? Right? That's what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. You begin to feel these words in your mind and in your spirit. And you feel like speaking them out, but you're like, am I just making this up? 
What is that? Because you're hearing from God and you're learning how to have the Spirit flow through you. You just got to let it go. And you just got to start to speak it. And the first few words might feel awkward. Because when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when I was a little 10-year-old boy, the first couple words that came out of my mouth, in my mind, I'm thinking, is this just me making up words? Or is this the Holy Ghost? Right? But I kept letting them go. And next thing you know, it was a river of living water flowing out of me. It was the baptism of the Spirit. And as you're praising and worshiping God, just love Him. Let go of your native language, the language you're familiar with, and just let the Spirit of God flow through you. So first of all, let's repent together. Can we do that? From your heart, let the Lord know that you love Him. Ask for His forgiveness and tell Him that you want Him to be Lord of your life. If you'll do it sincerely from your heart, you'll begin to feel Him right now. Can we do that? Dear Jesus, I pray, Lord God, right now that you would forgive me of all of my sins, Lord. I failed you this week, and I made mistakes. I know, Lord, I'm the first to admit that I haven't lived up to your standard. And I pray, Jesus, that you would wash me clean with your precious blood. Lord, I'm asking you. You told me I could ask, and I'm asking you, please forgive me of all of my sins. I don't want to live like a rebel anymore, and I don't want to do my own thing, but I want your spirit and your purpose to be done in my life, and I know that I can't do it my own way. And I pray, Jesus, please wash me. Please, Jesus, forgive me. Please, Lord Jesus, cleanse me. Come on, use your own words and speak that to him right now. Forgive me of every one of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me, Lord God, that I can be a new creature filled with your spirit and washed in your blood. Forgive me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Lord God. I want to follow you. I want your purpose to happen in my life, Lord God. I want your will to be done. And I thank you, Jesus, that I found you. I thank you for the power of your presence and the power of your word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiven me. Can you just thank him right now for forgiving you because he has forgiven you of all of your sins right now. Everything that you've done wrong because you've asked him. He's. For, I know it seemed like it was too easy, but it's not a hard thing. You just got to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he's willing to forgive you and he's willing to wash you and he's willing to make you a new creature right now. Can you put your hands together and thank him for forgiving you? Hallelujah. If you did that with us right now, I need you to speak faith. So I want you to turn to a person or two and just look at him and say, hey, I'm forgiven. Can you do that? Come on, turn to somebody and just say it. Say it. Hey. <laughs> this is an awesome day because I'm forgiven. And guess what? We're not done yet because now here comes the power. Now it's time to receive the power. We're going to begin to worship and love Jesus. And you're going to feel as people begin to lift up their voice. Those of you that are filled with the Holy Ghost, those of you who are spirit-filled, just begin to use your voice to praise and worship God right now. You can clap your hands. You can use your voice. You can tell. But you please use your voice to tell Jesus how much you love him and how great he is. And as you praise him and worship him and begin to feel his presence, uh, just let it begin to flow out of you. And you may the, the words won't make sense to you, but just let it flow. Is that all right? So come on. We're going to begin to pray right now, and I'm going to pray the prayer of faith and the spirit is going to fall in this place right now if you want to lift up your hands
Say, Lord, I surrender and I'm ready to receive. By the power of the name of Jesus and the authority of the word of God, I speak right now and I command you to receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now I want you to lift up your voice and begin to cry out to God. Come on. All over this place, lift up your voice and begin to cry out to God. Here comes the baptism of the Spirit right now. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody shout out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here it comes. Thank you. 